The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora koutou katoa, and welcome to Business is Boring. Vinyl is one of the great comeback stories. From dropping to a novelty kept alive by music enthusiasts, vinyl is now outselling CDs and is the main way for people to buy physical music. Which is really cool. For years, fans have insisted it sounds better and it's a great ritual. But for a long time, there was simply no way to press records in New Zealand with the last plant closing in the 80s. A few years ago, a local vinyl fan, Ben Wallace, wanted to make a record for his band and finding it wasn't possible here, started looking into what it took to actually make one. Working with a mate, Joel Woods, Holiday Records was born and the two found a machine and have built as a partner to the local independent music scene, growing to now be operating two shifts, seven days a week, to now do more in export than locally, serving new and established names across Australasia. To talk the story, the journey, and what's next, we're joined by Ben Wallace and Joel Woods of Holiday Records. Tēnā koroa. Morning. Hey, so we're joined today by Joel out of Spain, living overseas, and Ben in studio. Tell us how you two kind of got together in the first place. Um, and what you were up to in your careers before Holiday Records. Well, Joel and I met um, at university in Dunedin. Uh, we became mates and um, we flatted together in the third year um, of our studies down there. Then we um, went into New York and we lived together there. We were basically um, just figuring out what we wanted to do um, in life, each of us. We came back to New Zealand and Joel, um, who'd studied law, um, took on a criminal defence law degree and I was working various retail jobs and um, and I joined a band um, and it was a folk band and because it was folk music we kind of wanted the release our, all of our releases to just be on vinyl so we dug into it um, you couldn't get it done in New Zealand there was one in Australia um, and they were pretty busy um, so it kind of set the alarm bells ringing and um, I'll let Joel talk about how he uh, where he was at with the law yeah. Yeah, from criminal criminal defense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, as Ben said, yeah, we met in Otago, studied law there, um, did a little stint in NYC, bit more of like a cultural exchange versus, you know, um, finding our careers over there. But, yeah, um, I yeah, studied law and uh, came back to Auckland after New York and, um, yeah, wanted to just try it out. You know, I spent five years studying it, so um, I managed to score a pretty good job working as a junior barrister for just uh, one criminal defense barrister here in Auckland. And um, yeah, I lasted about a year. It was pretty, pretty stressful, thrown in the deep end. But, you know, I guess we'll find out later. We sort of threw ourselves in the deep end with this one too. But um, yeah, I used to visit Ben at home um, in Auckland after finishing work as a lawyer and just 
offloaded all my stress to him <laughs> most days and then he probably yeah figured out that um i wasn't overly happy where i was and um yeah it wasn't too long after that that he shoulder tapped me with this insane idea of starting a pressing plant yes yeah, so how did you look into that like how did you kind of go uh from there's no way to make records here at any sensible kind of level to maybe it could be us well it was just purely the the lack of people doing it there was no one so it's like this has got to be possible um, it might be really hard, but it's got to be possible. And so I kind of did start looking into it, um, but quickly realised it was probably a bit too much of a big, um, too big a beast kind of to do on my own. Joel has a lot of amazing skills and talents that I don't. Um, he's also got a design and marketing degree as well as his law degree. Um, and, and like he's mentioned, he was not overly stoked with the criminal defence lawyer. Um, kind of position he was in. So we kind of both got together and did research and realised, yes, this is a good idea, but what's a game plan to make it possible? Because it's obviously hard if no one's doing it. Um, we looked into refurbishing old machines and quickly realised, given our inexperience, that that was probably not a good idea. So we researched some more and we found out there was a company over in Toronto, Canada that were building these new automated machines and we'd heard stories of rookies buying these machines or um, inexperienced people buying machines and being able to press high quality records and that kind of set us on our path we went that's that's what we can do we can you know that's a possibility for us I bet that's like a pretty big undertaking though right like a great big machine from like you, you know some businesses you can you know, you start a fashion label, you can, you know, try it out with some t-shirts or a small run in the first instance, but you're pretty zero to 100 if you've got to get a great big bit of kit out of Toronto, right? Yeah, as I said, we definitely threw ourselves deep into the deep end because we had yeah no experience in pressing records, no experience in the music industry, no experience in even how to start or run a business. So we're like, let's just do all that at once and make this as hard as possible. But yeah, I think as Ben said, um, without these brand new machines, like state of the art automated machines, and this company based in Canada that, that offered training, like we it would have been a lot harder. So we, yeah, we we're put in a pretty good position to be able to at least give it a crack. Um, because yeah, as Ben said, you know, in New Zealand, there, it was impossible to get records pressed here since the eighties. In Australia, there's only one pressing plant, and they were super busy because of that. And then, um, yeah, and then overseas was your only option in the Northern Hemisphere, which became expensive with shipping costs and just, you know, generally just pretty challenging with the time difference, language barriers. So, um, so yeah, we thought it was a pretty good opportunity to try to step into New Zealand and offer it here. And then, yeah, I guess we can get to it a bit later. But, you know, we only thought we'd only be offering New Zealand records. But um, it turns out, you know, the rest of the world are pretty hungry for New Zealand made records these days too. Yeah, wow. Because like vinyl has gone through, you, you know, such a kind of interesting journey, right? From being the mainstay to being something for enthusiasts to then now being the mainstay of physical records again. And I mean, a couple of years ago, I remember reading a thing saying that you know, people that had always been on the side of vinyl were no longer able to, you know, indie musicians and indie labels were no longer able to get bookings because, you know, they are reprinting Phil Collins or something and every kind of like dad in the world was buying it. And so like that's the kind of like environment that you were stepping into, right? Like this massive uptick in demand. Yeah. At the time when we were researching and even when we got our machine, it was definitely growing and 
we sort of thought it almost plateaued. We just didn't think it could grow much more, especially after speaking with some people that we went and uh, visited in the States and Canada. Um, but it just kept growing and growing and sort of continues to still grow. Um, like only recently yeah, in, in America, vinyls outsold CDs. And I thought before jumping on this podcast, I'd probably checked whether the same's in New Zealand. And yeah, in 2021, it was outselling CDs and obviously still continues to um, track that way. So yeah, there's definitely the demand. So we did come into a pretty hot market, like not to um, downplay what we offered in our services and skills, but there was lots of demand and the supply um, was, was pretty limited. Yeah. What's the attraction of vinyl for you two? Well, I've, I grew up around vinyl and I've always loved it. Um, I think that was probably my main attraction is that I've always just been around it. Um, I've been a music enthusiast my whole life. As I mentioned earlier, I was in a folk band. I really like folk music, blues music. And I see that it's synonymous with kind of vinyl and analog recording and, and production. For me, it's just the, the beauty of it. The, it's called cool. it kind of um, all the cliche, stereotypical, you know, love holding it, the tactile nature, the warm sound, even the pops, the clicks, the hiss, the big artwork. Personally, for me, that's the that's the that's what I love about it. Yeah. I think, yeah, everything that Ben said, I agree with, but I just think it, uh, it makes more music a bit more meaningful, you know, like it's just a lot less disposable than streaming or you just listen to a single here and there, like you sit down, you listen to an album from start to finish and really appreciate like how much work an artist has put into this whole body of body of music. So I think, for, yeah, for me, that's pretty important. And um, yeah, I think it's just a cool thing to be able to put on with a group of friends and, you know, at a dinner party, for example, like it really sets the mood. It's like a magic ritual as well, hey, and a lot of the world caught up with it. Like I became one of the, you know, lockdown cliches of people getting like real into their vinyl again after not having been into it for years. Because if you're stuck at home, it's like it kind of transports you, you know, you've got this nice little ritual, pick up a record, go through and like, I don't know, pick up Carol King's Tapestry and like... It's a banger, like mm. end to end, amazing. But you know, when in your life are you chucking Carol King's tapestry on your Spotify? Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting period, especially like you said, the lockdown. Um, when it was like another, it was like a Bunsen burner under an already heating market because at home entertainment became so important because people were spending a lot of time there. Maybe disposable income had increased to touch with no travel or buying new cars or whatever. So vinyl took on another kind of spike you know and in, in demand um from a consumer point of view anyway but it definitely flowed through to us and it was a really interesting period yeah so how does you know it seems like a very kind of like you know simple kind of question here how does it actually work how do you make so you get this great big machine but you know how do you then make a vinyl record well as basically as we can put it we um we get the uh, the master record cut um, actually in the UK because uh, that's where we get our stampers made too. So a record's cut and then it gets um, casted and gets a negative mould of that record made out of nickel and it gets sent down to us and we can plug that into our machine. So our machine basically melts down PVC pellets and creates these hot little like hockey puck shaped bits of warm plastic that gets fed into our machine and then pressed between these two stampers these two plates that imprint this um this bit of plastic with the grooves of a record so uh, yeah that's where the the name pressing comes from and then it yeah slowly presses it heats it and you could imagine some plastic oozing out the outside 
and then it cools it. So some these plates get hot and then really cold, cools it, sets it, and then uh, yeah, the machine then takes it onto a trimming platter and trims off that excess oozed plastic and then, uh, yeah, drops it on a spindle. So that happens in about 30 seconds. Um, hopefully that made sense. It sort of did in my, my head. Well, where, where, do those, where do those plates come from? So there's like two metal plates that act as like the presses, pressing in on that hockey puck of warm vinyl. Um, P- P- yeah, P- PVC, was it? Yeah. And then so, so where, do those, you know, t- where do those stampers come from and how do you get the right grooves onto them? We have a, a stamper manufacturing partner that we um, use in the UK. So, uh, yeah, their only job is making these stampers for pressing plants all around the world. Um, or only a limited now because they're so busy that they're not taking any more clients. But, um, yeah, we have a couple of cutting engineers that we use strictly in the UK. And then they yeah get these lacquer discs, which is what they cut their um, original record on, send them to this stamper manufacturer. And then, yeah, they ship uh, stampers to us every week and that's what we use and then we hold on to these stampers at our plant and we can um, press about a thousand records with them so say if a client wanted to press a few more hundred records after their first pressing then we can and just plug it in there and you're away and all the other elements of the record like the the sleeve with the lovely printing and the like liner notes and all those kind of elements do you produce those as well at the site or yeah we're a full service pressing plant so we just take the um clients files for audio master for vinyl and artwork and we take care of the rest so we don't print on site but we get it done for them um so we can do anything from jackets being single pocket or gatefold right through the uh an insert with lyrics or liner notes um download card stickers anything like that too so yeah yeah we we deal with a or we work with a Auckland-based printer who does, um, yeah, 90% of our printing as well. So, um, yeah, most of what we can do is done in New Zealand or even in Auckland. So we're pretty lucky with that too. Yeah, wow. And for the first time since the 80s. Yeah, yeah. I think they were a little bit surprised when we came for quotes for what we wanted to do. And they're like, okay, (laughs) we'll give this a go. And I don't think they realized probably how much business that was going to bring them as a result too from how busy we've become. So... Yeah. Awesome. And we'll be back in a moment with Joel and Ben to hear how they built the business, the demand for records, and what's next. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited, and of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. 
Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Okimai anō, and welcome back to Business is Boring, where we're with Ben and Joel from Holiday Records. So tell us what scale you're at today, right? Because you've got this awesome plant in Auckland Central right near the City Works Depot. And you started out with like merch and um, records and a whole kind of retail situation. But now what's the scope of the business? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, as you mentioned, we started off, you know, with one machine and a small little record store out the front, but it's sort of just grown into a beast that we can't control at the moment. We had to get rid of our record store just to make more room for sleeving and boxing but yeah, we've got one machine and uh, yeah, when we start, we were running, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week. And so at the very beginning, struggling to press, you know, a couple hundred records a day. Um, but at the moment, we're pressing 16 hours a day. So we've got two eight hour shifts, um, seven days a week. Uh, and we're yeah, making about 1200 to 1300 records a day at the moment. Yeah, which is a lot more than I don't think we, we ever anticipated when we started so yeah and from I think from when we started year on year we've been about doubling our capacity so we've as I said we've almost maxed out to or we have maxed out with our one machine which um, you know brings us to the next point that we have ordered a second machine to hopefully uh, give us some more capacity and um, hopefully we can fill that with more records to press in the future. That's Heaps, right? Like, <laughs> like you think so? Two shifts, two shifts a day, seven days a week is is a lot. Like, tell me about the journey to build build that demand. Like, how did you get out there and having taken that plunge of committing to this, you know, big investment and you know taking on kind of like um, a lease and kind of, kind of retaily kind of space around town? Um, how did you go about building up to the level you're at now? Well. Um I suppose it started, we, at the very start, it was Joel and I doing everything, kind of reaching out, but we quickly realised we needed some fuel. So we actually, our first ever hire, which we couldn't really afford, but we went for it, was hiring someone on a six-month contract just to call everyone and anyone that might be potentially of interest to us. Initially, you know, that was slow. Um, there was a lot of hesitancy with using us because we were rookies. There was no tried and tested good records in the market because with final they have to look good and sound good um, so it's really vital but slowly we chipped away I suppose at some New Zealand clients mainly through word of mouth we started with friends bands we started um, kind of building a reputation as, as producing good records and then like I suppose any business in any situation if you keep at it long enough there is always you know, a bit of luck involved. And we had our, and our slice of luck um, in terms of trying to breach the international market when the COVID lockdowns happened. And the one pressing plant at the time in Australia was based in Melbourne and they went to, through that horrendously long lockdown period and that included their pressing plant. So Aussies and the big labels still wanted records because it was just Melbourne that was locked down. And given our proximity to Australia, they came to us. Um, and I suppose on the back of our reputation getting better and building and, and, and the trust around that and our records because we had kind of taken on clients such as Flying Nun and and some other bigger New Zealand ones. So there was a bit of a 
you know, our reputation was getting pretty solid. And they gave us a go and Joel and I said, well, we've really got to nail this because the Australian market is so much bigger. So with that little bit of luck, we um, took on a lot of Australian jobs and from there kind of just built and built into an international kind of market as well as local. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did I see like 70% goes overseas? Yeah. I think last year, I was trying to do some maths, it was about yeah, 60, 70% of the total records that we pressed were exported, um, which I guess shows the yeah, comparative size of, you know, New Zealand's music industry with Australia's and, and elsewhere. But um, yeah, I think it's just been for us, yeah, huge demand worldwide and just limited supply worldwide too. So Australia and as I said, New Zealand used to get the records pressed um, overseas, but you know, overseas don't really have time or room for them. So they had to look inward, look domestically and see who was around. And, you know, we were there with our hands up or, you know, hands waving that we could do it. And um, yeah, we, they gave us a, gave us a crack and I guess they haven't really looked back. So we've been really lucky with that for sure. Pretty amazing turnaround after so many years, you know, 40-odd years of it being imported, right, or 30-odd yeah. years of it being imported. Um, and then what kind of artists, because I guess when it, you know, comes to mind as, you know, kind of independent, like Holiday Holiday Records has a vibe of like an independent record label, right, and this real indie spirit to it. But it's a full mix of stuff, hey, from like the biggest, the biggest names through to, you know, bands who do have just like small dedicated followings. Yeah, that's right. I mean... Um, we, we've been pressing for, we've pressed records for the likes of Johnny Cash albums, Portishead, Lana Del Rey. One of our ethos when we started was to be available for any and all New Zealand artists as well. And we still kind of make sure that's really front of mind and that's really important to us that if you want to record and you're in New Zealand, we're here to be able to do that. Even if you're 150 and you're only selling them to your family, we still want to be the company that can do that for you as well. So, yeah, we have done these big, big, big ones, but we do, just to, as a little segue, our minimum um, order is a little lower than the rest of the world, probably. We're 150, and that's just to open up that market of anyone really wanting records to be pressed. Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, as I said, well, what we just discussed, 60 or 70% is exported, but I think that might be a little misleading because the large majority of our clients are actually New Zealand-based. We've just got a few large Australian ones that just have a massive orders. So in terms of record quantity, a lot of them going overseas. But, yeah, we, we definitely deal with all uh, – we, we like to think most of New Zealand artists, whether they're small garage, you know, rock bands, to the likes of Flying Nun, who we do a large majority of their pressings too. So – yeah, we do cover all bases for sure. That's so, and like, how does it feel like, you know, gr growing up with records and then maybe, I don't know, have you, have you pressed a record that like was something you grew up listening to? Like, <laughs> like a Porter's Head or? Yeah, yeah. even like CCR, um, Credence Clearwater Revival or Johnny Cash. And, you know, that was pretty, um, those are pretty surreal to be able to, because we never, we never thought that was going to happen. We, uh, that's fair to say. We never thought we'd, we, we thought we'd service the local market and that was it. Um, so it's pretty pretty awesome. And that local market, like I remember I went to visit Peter King, the lathe cut mm -hmm. vinyl guy in Mount Summers outside of Ashburton maybe. But I went and did like a media story on him and he ruled, you know, but he's doing like super small run, super kind of punk uh, DIY kind of approach to, you know, lathe cut as opposed to pressing as well. So not nearly as... Um, uh, you know, big numbers that you can put through. But it has been kind of like held on to by this real indie spirit, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that's probably the indie spirit's really what got it through the rise of CD, to be honest. It was those indie kind of punk labels and dance labels in the US and UK that really kept the demand going. And and then the likes of Peter King, it is, it's like a one-off thing because he makes them by hand physically, whereas we have an automated machine pumping out. But you've got to give a lot of credit to Peter King and the likes of those people because it kept it relevant. And I actually got one of our band's um, EPs cut by Peter. And it was another part of our story as to why we became a pressing plant because... Yeah, we were like, this is cool. Yeah, he's, a, he's an absolute legend. He's, he's a, he'll go down in history as a massive legend in New Zealand music, for sure. Yeah, um, loves his loves his cars and like just is so fun. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, he's great. Yeah. Awesome. And what 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 comes next? So you've got another machine kind of commissioned uh, or on the way, ready to be commissioned. But where, where do you where do you see it going next? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, well, obviously, vinyl is our bread and butter. So, um, so yeah, our first our first port of call was to increase the capacity since we sort of maxed it out um, recently. Um, but I think we've we sort of we've positioned ourselves as a music brand as well. When we started, we knew New Zealand was a small country, so we thought, why not, you know, dip our toes into some merch and some branding in a record store, which I think. Um, was was successful at the time when it was open and um it allowed you know not you know our friends and family and potential other customers to interact with the brand where where they were never going to ever press a record in their time so um yeah i guess it's left the door open for us to potentially move into different parts of the music industry like (laughs) i wouldn't know or couldn't say exactly where but um yeah i think there's definitely opportunity elsewhere for sure yeah i mean First and foremost, you've got to nail your fundamentals, which is for us is pressing vinyl. And we're still in that phase where we've got to um, keep going. You know, we've built a pretty good reputation and, and we're, we're fairly busy, but it's nailing that, then we'll move on. But like Joel said, there's endless, under the music kind of umbrella, It's kind of, it can be endless, um, whether it's just, you know, putting on gigs or it's something we're, we're, we're actively talking about at the moment anyway, in yeah. terms of diversifying as something else. Yeah, we've built a great brand that, you know, people are part of the journey, right? Because it could be real anonymous. It could just be kind of like, you know, pressing PVC in a in a roll-up factory somewhere. Which is probably the smart move, really. Cheaper rental move. Yeah, we had two options when we started. Um, and we went down the option of no one's doing this here. It's an amazing, fascinating process. Um, so people might want to see it. So we really made it. We wanted to make it available to the public to be able to view and see. Um, so we we uh, took a lease on in Central Auckland, opposite City Works Depot, as opposed to maybe a warehouse out um, south or west or something, <laughs> um, which might logistically be have, have been a lot easier. Um, but we put in a um, we yeah, like Joel said, we had a little retail space. We put a big window up. We cut some block out, some stone blocks out um, behind us and um, put a window in so you could see the process. We're still still there to this day, even though it's a little tight um, for space, but we're managing fine. And, and yeah, we, we just wanted to make ourselves available. And, if, if, and it's really cool because if a band's pressing in New Zealand, if they're younger especially, they probably haven't seen it being pressed. And, they, and we welcome people to come in, film it, be around it because it's so magical the, the process of, of making a record. That is magic. I think, yeah, that having that strong brand is is super important because we've almost become this destination where artists want to come and press. And 
been asked to put our logo on their artwork for example which like no pressing plants ever even mentioned where the press the, the records are pressed if you know if you look at a record at home you largely couldn't figure out where it was pressed so i think yeah that's great for uh yeah just increasing that word of mouth and making sure that we're always pretty busy funnily enough back where we didn't have staff was a point where we thought it could go either way. You know, we, we could fail here because Joel and I were at our wits end trying to do everything, but we couldn't afford stuff and, and we didn't have enough time in the day. Like Joel said, we were doing the pressing, the sleeving, the jacketing, the the shrink wrapping, and then we're like, oh, admin, we've got to do the all the invoicing and the quoting and the sales and the client side of things as well. Um, and that was a really, um, that was a real period for us where we were like, are we actually going to be able to turn out enough records and you know uh, make enough money to service this loan we've got because that's the whole point in the end of the day and um we we just had to work hard 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 and smart to find a way to um be able to afford our first ever employee which is probably three years ago or so um and build from there yeah awesome what would your advice be to people who do see like a hole in the market that you know it's kind of obvious people love vinyl and there was none to be had but it's a big jump to make like what advice do you have for people who are looking at something like that well we did say um there was a gaping hole but we had to move really quickly so that would be one thing is do a lot of um due diligence to um see if it's a good idea like we mentioned right at the start it was obviously hard because no one was doing it but is it impossible and um, kind of structure yourself to a point where you can set it out so you can see the roadmap to being able to do it. Um, I suppose set certain goals. In our case, find a, um, a partner that complements you really, really well. So Joel brings a lot that I do not, um, and I'm probably vice versa. Maybe Joel just does everything. <laughs> um, no, no. Um, and and just especially we were, we were a bit younger, so we we're maybe naive and and didn't have you know a lot of life debt or anything like that so we we had a little less risk in that sense so we just absolutely dropped everything and went for it and we were probably at a point of our life that if it was a massive mistake we could probably rebuild so we just we just went for it really if, if, if we said to ourselves if another one opens up while we're planning in New Zealand we'll probably just drop it but so we had to really move fast mm. yeah I think yeah to what Ben said or if people were in a particular or in the same um, position as we were we did see a you know, good opportunity. I think research is a, is a major one. We went on a trip to the States and to Canada to just visit as many pressing plants as we could because there wasn't anyone locally we could speak to and just get a gauge on um, get a gauge on the industry, see where it was going. Um, so, yeah, I guess really stress test your idea, like speak with as many people as possible, you know, even if it's your most pessimistic friend and see if they can pick holes in your idea. Um, you know, they're asking you the right questions and if you've got the right answers, then um, maybe that's a yeah, sign that you could at least yeah, take it to the next step and start planning because I think, yeah, yeah, after that, you definitely need a solid plan in place as well. And as a final thought, what will success be for you two and also for Holiday Records? I suppose overall happiness. I mean, for, for me personally, as a personal thing, I really, um, and I know this is the same as Joel because we talk about it, it's having, you know, a, a, a meaningful life that you're happy and you've got time for your family, but you know you've got something you're um, striving towards at work that fulfills you as well. Um, and, and, you know, on a business level, we want a really good environment. We want our staff to come to happy. We know it's quite 
funny for us we never really thought we'd have staff at the start so it's um like having eight people that really rely on us as well so making sure they're happy their lives are happy um, and that we're content and we have a really good work-life balance I think that's key we can't get too caught up in work 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 or on the other hand life 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 so it's really good to have that balance I suppose yeah I would totally agree I guess that's why I've been like such good business partners. We are so much on that same page, just having a you know a balance in, in business and life, and getting um, the business to a place where we can have that luxury of that flexibility. Like I think starting this business, I was a little bit naive that you know as soon as you become your own boss, you have all this flexibility, but it's certainly just the complete opposite to that. So um, yeah, just uh, you have to put the hard yards in, but. To a degree, I guess we're still doing that. But um, yeah, I guess, yeah, having equal engagement in my life with work and, and business, I think I'd be pretty stoked with that. But yeah, in terms of in terms of the business, I, I don't think we'll ever be fully, you know, quote unquote, status, you know, sorry, consider ourselves successful. Um, I think just having new goals, moving the goalposts, um, you know, getting a new machine and trying to fill that capacity. I think having, yeah, Having small goals and uh, small wins, I think, yeah, is good for is good for us for sure. We always kind of said there's no, there's never going to be a destination, you know. So you're not going to get there and be like, oh my god, we're so happy. This is this is the end. We've always put emphasis on enjoying the journey because we were like, oh, let's press a record. And then we did that. And we're like, okay, well, let's press two records a day. Then let's press it. And then pressing Johnny Cash and we're still like move forward. So there's no end point, there's no destination. So it's so important to enjoy your journey because literally you're never going to get to this destination. We don't think that um that you're happy with because you always want to keep going, keep wanting more. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Keep bettering yourself. And yeah, as been been mentioned, just having staff is a major one now too. Like both of us have been employees longer we've than we've ever been an employer. So just making sure that they're happy, fulfilled and coming along with us on this ride and not sort of following us behind, like following behind us, I think is a major. So if they're happy, I think we're equally as happy in, in business for sure. Yeah, love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story today. Uh, love what you're doing and can't wait to see where it goes next. That's Ben Wallace and Joel Woods of Holiday Records. Come Appreciate on. you having us on. Yeah, thanks Simon. So thank you to Ben and Joel to you for listening and for everyone who helps make this happen like our producer Teihe Butler do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do Enohora. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network that was Business is Boring brought to you by SparkLab make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.